You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. Have you ever felt like things are becoming unmanageable, like challenges of life are becoming too great, like maybe no one really understands or cares about your worries or what you are going through? Have you ever felt like your troubles are multiplying faster than your solutions? Have you ever felt like enemies were coming in from all sides, that worries are pressing in on all sides? I've certainly felt that way before, maybe a little bit, with this news that we just shared. And most of you, at one point or another in your life, have felt that way too. The question often becomes, why isn't God helping me? Maybe we ask, is it because he does not care, or is it because he simply cannot? Maybe he can't remember what I'm going through. Well, the answer is that he does care, and that he can help, although it may not always be in the way or in the timing that we would like. And these are the two answers that we receive in our Old Testament reading this morning from Isaiah chapter 40. The people of Israel at that time, about seven or eight hundred years before Christ, they felt that enemies were pressing in on all sides. It's a little bit hard for us to imagine or to empathize with them. For one reason, most of us, we are not directly connected to our food supply. Instead, we work at jobs, and the jobs pay us money, and then we take that money and go buy food. We, most of us, I think we have more than we need. We don't think a whole lot about where the food comes from or if it might disappear. Of course, this was not true in the ancient world. 90%, probably higher than that even, of the people were directly involved in food production. Most of their effort all day was to work to produce this food. Imagine all of the plowing and the pulling of weeds, the caring for livestock, protecting them from heat in the day and from predators at night, the careful planting of vineyards or orchards that you have to Uh, tend for years before you're ever able to eat the fruit. And then only to have this neighboring power, this other tribe, come in and steal it all right before you finally get to eat of your hard work. That would be devastating. And at this time, Israel had both small neighbors that were raiding them all of the time, and they also had large powers, empires, that were threatening to invade them, to take them over completely. Places like Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. And Israel was very weak. 
They were much weaker than even these small powers, let alone these great powers. They had no choice but to pay them off, send gold and silver, tributes, saying, please don't invade. For Israelites living at that time, their worst nightmare was to plant a vineyard, work and tend it for years, and then never drink of its fruit. Never have the wine, the reward for their hard labor. Instead, they watched some foreign soldier take it and carry it all away. It kind of puts our stresses into perspective, doesn't it? Uh, most of our stresses of modern life are a little bit smaller than this. At least we have food and water and shelter. And, and most of us do not feel that these essentials are threatened on a daily basis. But what we do have is also difficult. And there are new troubles in this modern world. For example, a lot of people are lonely. A lot of people feel alienated. As technology has allowed us to communicate instantly, at, almost at will, uh, the communication seems to grow more shallow. And people are finding that it's hard to have deeper, more connective relationships nowadays. So many people feel trapped. So many people feel like they're just not getting what they wanted out of life. And so they ask God, are you able to help? Do you want to help? The answer that came through Isaiah was a sure answer. There's lots I could pull from this reading. It's, it's so beautiful. I look at verse 26, for example. It says, look at the starry host in the heavens. Meaning, uh, look at the night sky. The thousands of stars in the night sky. God calls each star by name. Of course he knows their name. He made them. Now, perhaps the ancient Israelites would have understood this a lot better, or that would have had more meaning to them. They could actually see the stars at night uh, back then, see the, the Milky Way. For us, the night sky uh, kind of has grown dim. About 100 years ago, we started putting city lights in our cities. 100 years before that, they started with gas lights. And now, well, we don't see many stars. I think when I look up... I looked up last night and I saw 10 or 20, I think. Um, how many of you saw the super blue blood moon two or three nights ago? Raise your hands. I, I want to actually count. Two, four, six, eight, nine. Okay, nine of us. Maybe 10% of people saw this. This was uh, an extremely rare extremely beautiful event in the night sky. It was called super because the moon was larger than normal. This happens when it orbits a little bit more closely. It was called a blue moon because it was the second full moon in the month of January. And it was a blood moon because of a partial eclipse. So the shadow of the earth blocked it and it turned red. Uh, and for these three things to happen on the same time is is uh, I don't know when the last time that happened, but it was really beautiful. How many saw a picture of it on social media later? Okay, I see more hands up. Many people saw a picture of this, but never saw it with their own eyes. 
Uh, Jean and I did get a chance to see it. Uh, we happened to be outside and looked up and saw this, and it really was quite beautiful. And the next night, I saw the moon as well, and it was still almost a full moon, and it was so bright, it hurt my eyes. I had to look away. It was one of the brightest full moons I had ever seen. Last night, even though I said I could only see 10 or 20 stars, but I could see Orion, I could see his belt. I couldn't really see his head like I'm used to. So the ancients would have been pretty impressed, is what I'm trying to say. For us, it's hard to connect with this kind of passage. We think the starry sky. Well, I've got TV. I don't look at the starry sky. But for them, they saw a brilliant, a beautiful thing. And to know that God would call every star by name. We do have one advantage, though. They could only see a few thousand stars with the naked eye. We now know that there are trillions of them. We know that there are galaxies upon galaxies, billions of those, and each of those have trillions of stars. It's the vastness of his creation, and to think that God calls those by name, he made each one of them, and boy, then, is it that hard for him to know about our problems. Is it that hard for him to care about our problems? Suddenly our problems seem a little bit more like small potatoes. I used to fly in airplanes more often, and when I was single, uh, before I had a family, I would usually choose the window seat on an airplane. And I liked to look out the window, and especially I liked flying at night. Those were the cheaper tickets. And when I would fly over America, I would see all the farmland, and a vast darkness, but dotted here and there, probably wherever there would be a grain elevator, there would be a small town, and you could see the lights, some of them small, some medium, some at large. And from so high up in an airplane, cities look like a circuit board from a computer, like little lighted pathways with the cars become like little electrons following the pathways. And I would look down and I would think, how small we are, really. And how amazed I would be that God can look down at that, all those tiny specks of light, and he knows each house and every person that's inside the house, and he knows each car that's traveling along that just looks like a tiny dot of light to me, but he knows who's in the car and what they're thinking and what they're, what's troubling their hearts. So God asks through Isaiah, says, why do you complain? Why do you say, my problems are hidden from God? Why do you say, he's ignoring us? Have you not heard that God made everything? Every grain of sand? Every drop in the ocean? Have you forgotten that God is eternal? He does not get tired. He does not sleep. He has no limitations like us. Even young men get tired and worn out, but not him. So uh, the chapter begins with these words, Comfort, comfort, O my people. And these are the words of comfort. It starts in verse 29. And I'm reading from a different version than what's in your bulletin. But here's what he says. God gives strength to the weary. He increases the strength of the weak. 
Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This promise is connected to us through the work and life of Jesus Christ. So I don't want to make you misunderstand that just if I feel bad or I have trouble, I pray to God and then he, he fixes it all. He's like my emergency battery pack or emergency energy drink or something like that. What I'm saying is that God already has come to the rescue. The answer to our frustrations, our weaknesses, our fatigue, the answer to our own sin and the the sin of others that affects us so devastatingly, the answer to this is that God came in power. He does lift us up on eagle's wings because he took us out of our sorry condition by lifting his own son up on the cross. Anytime we, we kind of question God's power or his presence or, or his desire to help us in our time of need, the ultimate proof is the fact that he already came. He came in the flesh. He was made man. And if God would go so, so far as to humble himself in that way, of course he's going to carry us through whatever trial or whatever difficulty we're dealing with today at this moment. Personally, I am dealing with, um, Jean is dealing with more than I am, but we are both dealing with something that's called terrible twos. There's the small children. When you have little ones at home, infants, they say a day can feel like a year and a year can feel like a day. And I think that's very true. On the one hand, I cannot believe that two years has gone by since Elsie and Annalise were born and entered our lives. Almost two years. It's gone by in a flash. I feel like nothing. At the same time, there are hours that feel like a whole eternity. Like time is slowed to an extreme crawl. If our girls are having a meltdown or a tantrum, arms legs they're really strong you'd be surprised flying in all directions i cry out i say god this is torture when is this going to end but the crisis passes eventually overall the girls are very healthy one day was particularly challenging uh you all know that we went back to the united states uh last june and that took a lot of planning uh, to know that we were going to fly with the twins and, and they were about one year old at the time. And we had to pack all of our stuff and so we were ready. We had everything planned out. We had all of our suitcases uh, you know, down here and we were going to catch the bus for the airport at about 5 a.m. Uh, for a morning flight. So we had, each of us had a baby strapped to us, and, and Dr. Rowald, who served you in the summer, he was, helped drag us our suitcases. We dragged all the pieces across the little uh, pedestrian bridge. We got to the blue square. We waited for the bus. The bus came. We 
got all of our suitcases, all of our babies onto the bus, and we had planned it. We said, okay, then we'll give them a milk, so uh, a bottle, and then when we get to the airport, then they won't be hungry while we're doing security and all of that. So uh, as the bus pulls away, we Jean makes the milk, and, and uh, the, each baby got their milk, and within about two minutes, you know, before we were even out of the city, we were like in Uido or something, and then Annalise just, it all came out. All of the milk. And you would think that uh, the milk would not smell too bad. After all, it only been in her stomach for a minute or two. It wasn't digested in any way, but it was horrible. I immediately saw the eyes from the driver looking in the mirror and making eye contact with me. And he actually pulled the bus over and I saw him walking back with two handfuls of paper towels. Because it had gone on the floor, it went on our backpack, on my clothes, on her. This was the beginning of our 24-hour trip to get back to Michigan. So right away, things are bad. And we went to the airport, went right to the bathroom. You cannot wash off that smell. That smell stays with you for the rest of the day. Uh, no matter how much soap and hot water I ran on the clothes and on the backpack. So uh, when I got on the airplane, I just put the backpack in the overhead and I just shut it. And I just hoped that no one would open it. Every time a passenger went to open that thing, then I could smell the rotten vomit milk wash over me once again. So after 24 hours traveling with these one-year-old twins, we got to the airport and my mom wasn't there. And I, I had to borrow a phone, and I called her, and she said, well, what time is it? And I said, you, you've known for six months when we were going to be here. You're not at the airport? I we had to wait an hour for her to get to the airport. So that was a bad day for me. That was a difficult day. That was one of those days where I said, God, you really don't love me, do you? But looking back... A year later, it's funny, I can laugh, we can laugh, and more and more nowadays I'm saying one day at a time, one hour at a time, just Lord give me the strength to make it to this next hour, this next day, carry me along, help me that I don't grow faint, and he does, every time, every time he does. Let's pray. Lord Father, uh, you know our hearts, and you know uh, we often portray ourselves as having it all together, but on the inside we're broken up, on the inside we're stressed out, dealing with difficulties. Lord, you see that. You know our brokenness, and you do move, and you do act, and you do comfort your people. And we were comforted most of all that you sent your son into this world, into this brokenness, into this difficulty, so that we might be saved. Lord, I pray that you help that truth to go forth from this church and from all churches. And that you help us to rely on you and believe the promises that you will strengthen the weak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.